0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nations Maryland Terrapin's
1: Colossus.
0: And welcome to the special segment of the podcast. Thank you for sticking around to Preview the spring sports seasons at Maryland that have already started, but nobody noticed because we were angry at Mark Turgeon for taking Maryland basketball to Minnesota and losing. That stuff happens. And the perfect person to talk about the spring sports, because he knows them better than almost anybody on this site, except for those who cover it, uh, are non-rev zealots, Todd Carton, who has not been on the show since November. Hi, Todd. Hi, Matt.
1: Pleased to be on with the uh, post-start of the season preview.
0: Yeah, we, we kind of wanted to do this earlier, and then the season started, and we kind of forgot that they did. Maybe because it was Arctic cold when most of them were supposed to start. So, I mean, baseball just started, so I don't feel that bad. Men's lacrosse just started. I don't feel that bad. But anyway, we've got four sports to preview, and we, will, we do care about these sports here. We try to cover them as much as we can, but let's be honest. You're all focused on basketball right now, so apologies for that. So, Todd... I'm going to give you your moment in the sun to start talking about all of these sports and I guess we'll go with ladies first because we are going to be very polite here. We'll start with women's lacrosse who are defending national champions and I see that their first two games, I think they were two, were blowouts so what are we expecting from them this season?
1: Well, uh, they come into the season ranked number one in the country and that's not a surprise. understandably so, although they graduated 11 seniors off of last year's team, including an All-American off of the defensive side in Megan Dowdy, and probably one of the most unsung, underappreciated players in Aaron Collins, who just kind of gobbled up ground balls and is one of those uh, glue-type players who's going to be hard to replace. And, of course, Kathy Reese being... Overly intimidated by losing 11 seniors, just went out. And uh, after these first two sort of uh, warm up games, three of her next four are on the road against top seven teams in the country. So she's starting uh, Saturday playing North, at North Carolina. Then the Turps come home and play a game against Hofstra. And then they go on the road to Florida, who's number four in the country, and Syracuse, who's number two.
0: So that's good test for them, I guess. Uh, are they going to be favored doing the national championship all season? Uh,
1: they'll probably be the favorite all season, uh, but th- she does play a pretty daunting schedule. In addition to those, those uh, three games, she has three other non-conference games against ranked teams. That would be Penn, uh, Hopkins, and Virginia, who are... 16 15 and 10 respectively and the big 10 believe it or not is coming along as a lacrosse league it's not quite the acc yet but penn state is ranked third northwestern is currently i think seventh and ohio state is 18th so outside of michigan and rutgers uh, the big Ten's a, a a pretty solid conference
0: who are players we should look out for well, i think you mentioned a couple of them but do it again i guess Well, of course, uh, you know,
1: everything is going to start and end with Taylor Cummings, who is the reigning uh, two-time reigning Tawaraton Award winner. That's the Tawaraton Award for folks who don't know is sort of the equivalent in lacrosse of the Heisman Trophy. It goes one to the best men's college player and one to the best women's college player. Um, Offensively, you're going to look at uh, sophomore Megan Whittle, and uh, Carolyn Steele, who's a freshman, who was the most outstanding player in the Under Armour High School All-America game. And Zoe Stukenberg, of course, who is a junior midfielder and just won today the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week award.
0: Today being Tuesday night, by the way. We're hey, recording hey, this hey, bit hey, of the podcast and the bit you just heard at separate times. If that wasn't already abundantly clear.
1: I, I apologize for that. I, keep,
0: I, keep going. Don't worry about it. No nobody, nobody
1: cares about what we record this show anyway. In the back line, uh, Julia Bragg is a freshman who's starting, and uh, Nadine Hadnagy, uh, another kind of all-league player, Morgan Torgler and Alice Mercer, who's a senior uh, back there. But, of course, it just, just kind of all revolves around Taylor Cummings. By the way, Taylor Cummings won the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week after Maryland's first game. And after Maryland's second game, she won the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, just to kind of give you a a notion of how special a player she is. And last, well, just the big question is kind of who's going to step up in goal. Uh, Last year, Maryland had a grad transfer student, Alex Fitzgerald, who was really solid. And this year it'll either be junior Emily Kift or uh, freshman Megan Taylor.
0: Looks like they'll they'll be battling it out. Each one has started one game. So is Maryland going to win the national championship in the end? Because when you've won them so many, so many uh, recently, that's really the only expectation now for the program. You, you know, I mean, I, the,
1: they, they certainly have the talent. It was a great freshman class. Uh, I, I don't. Wouldn't expect them not to have a stumble or two along the way, given the strength of the schedule, particularly this early in the season, particularly that they're going on the road to all of these places. But, you know, you look at, again, at at Taylor Cummings, she's a senior. Maryland's lost three games in her three years at Maryland. Uh, When she was in high school, McDonough lost one game in her four years at McDonough. And then you add other players from that program, like Megan Whittle, who came in as a freshman last year, had a four-year undefeated string at McDonough and lost one game last year. So, you know, these are, these are, are young women who are used to winning and who I expect uh, will be certainly in the mix for a third straight national championship.
0: So let's move on to a program that is not uh, accustomed to winning, unfortunately, softball. Lost a coach after last year when it looked like the team had some promise. New coaches come in, they've played a lot of games already, and it didn't go particularly well, but I'll let you explain it because I'm not the expert here, you are. Okay, well, so- softball... Uh- We've interviewed Julie Wright already on the, on the website, I encourage you to read that, she sounds like a very interesting coach who has a lot of good goals for the program, but it's kind of hard with so much turmoil surrounding it uh, the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's exactly where things are going to be. Those among the Terrapin faithful who are softball fans are just going to have to kind of suffer in uh, patiently for a couple of years with Julie Wright. And this is no fault of hers. Softball, like a lot of these sports, the top players are usually committing by the end of 10th grade Uh and there's sort of an unwritten rule in softball where once a player verbals to a school, most other coaches kind of pull back on their recruiting. So they're not trying to poach, as you might have seen happen in one of the revenue sports. That Football?
0: Happens. Did, we, did um, you have to remind us of that? I, th- I thought we were avoiding it.
1: Right. Right. Uh, So with with Julie coming in, she's kind of almost three cycles behind in in her recruiting. You know, she lost her. Maryland lost a recruiting cycle by when they fired Laura Watton and brought in Courtney Dyfel last year. Now they've lost another recruiting cycle. And the big weakness that that the Terps are going to have this year is in the circle uh, pitching wise. Uh, Brennan Nation has has been the sort of putative ace of the staff. But Brennan's a a reasonable pitcher, but she's certainly not an ace. And it shows in her 0-6 record and, I think, uh, five or six runs per game ERA in the, fir- uh, in the Maryland's first 10 games. They're 3-7. and seven. Um, Offensively, they have one of the best players in the history of the program back as a senior would be Lindsey Schmeiser. Uh, but they do have a lot to replace, even on the offensive side of the ball, because they lost uh, Shannon Bastios. Uh, who was, until this past weekend, Maryland's all-time career leader in home runs. Lindsey Schmeiser passed her. And um, uh, uh, Aaron Pernobas, who was also provided a lot of pop in Maryland's lineup. This year, uh, looking at players like Skylin Elazar and a transfer um, from from Louisville, uh, Christina Dillard, uh, who's a catcher, uh, Destiny Henderson's gotten off to a pretty good start, and Sarah Calta, who was the son of Keith Calta, who played for Jerry. Daughter? Daughter, I'm sorry. Jeez Louise. Uh,
0: it happens to the best of us.
1: Yes, uh, she's the daughter of uh, Keith Calta, who played for Jerry Claiborne uh, back in the 70s and was a pretty good player for Marilyn. Uh, Sarah had a great fall, has struggled a little bit in the early season. But uh, Maryland's schedule lightens up. They could get some wins now going forward before they get into the Big Ten season. But you really need to temper your expectations. And unless Julie can bring in some transfers over the next couple of years, uh, her hands are are
0: probably pretty well tied. So let's move on from depressing sports to more exciting sports. Do you want to start with baseball or men's lacrosse? Which one uh, for the guys, which one do you want to go with?
1: Let's go. Let's go with baseball first because I, that'll be shorter for me because uh, I, I haven't covered baseball much for the even last year when I was a, kind of a beat writer. Andrew Kramer. Yeah,
0: we'll have uh, him on at some. We'll have him on at some point. He, he's but you can real, do the distilled. You can do the distilled preview. Yeah, for, the,
1: for cool us and maven. uh you know, baseball got off to a, a rough start. Uh, they were one and two down in Alabama, which is disappointing because, particularly because Alabama was picked preseason at the bottom of the SEC. Um, Mike Schwarren had a solid but unspectacular five-inning start in the first game. I, mean, I think there was a little bit, probably, of nerves. Alabama was was opening a brand new multi-multi-multi-million-dollar stadium, and all three games were sold out or close to sold out. Taylor Bloom and uh, Schaefer on the the other two weekend starters also kind of struggled. The Terps left a lot of men on base, Uh, Kevin Smith and Anthony Papio in in particular. Uh, I think a lot of players are gonna have to grow into their roles. I think Maryland had eight players drafted in the MLB draft last year, which is a, a record for the program. So um, Nick and, and, um, uh had a really good start, at, and, and Zach Jankarski is off to a pretty solid start for, for Maryland as well. I think they'll come around. Shawarn is a preseason All-American, and I expect that uh, the man they call the unicorn will pitch back to form as the season wears on.
0: So where were they picked in preseason? I think they were picked pretty highly in the the conference, yeah. but I don't remember where it was exactly. Uh,
1: they, I think they were were picked to win the conference, and they were a top 20 team uh, or top 25 team in uh, the national polls. Most of the national polls. The big thing that Maryland's going to have to do is they're going to need to power through a lot of their sort of non-conference schedule because. The RPI of the Big Ten in general isn't going to help them a lot. Oh, they meant Maryland might have been picked second, actually, to Michigan, who is ironically coached by Eric Bakich, who spent a couple of years starting the program that John Sheff has taken and and sort of run with in the last two years.
0: So that sounds exciting, but you still think they're going to rebound. Uh, I believe they were supposed to have games at VCU uh, today being Tuesday, but I think those got rained out. So. There will be plenty of – you'll have plenty of chances to see them at uh, Turtle Smith Stadium shortly, but they're still going to be pretty good. And considering where this program was – Two straight uh, super regional appearances is not bad by any stretch of the imagination.
1: It's it's not only not bad. Uh, I I just like people to sort of keep in perspective that before um, I think his name is Connor or O'Connor got to to the University of Virginia. Virginia's program was similar to Maryland's in that they had made like one N C A A appearance a decade. And and when he got there about ten years ago. They hadn't been in the NCAAs for 15 or 20 years. It took him, it, and he took them to the NCAAs in his first year, but it took him five years before he got to a Super Regional.
0: So there's a long way to go, but then they got to two straight Super Regionals in John Chess, what, first couple of seasons, which is yeah. incredibly impressive? Which is incredibly impressive, yeah. And then all of the draft picks from last year were also just insane. You never know how how all of them are going to pan out in the majors, but Maryland's not known for having a great baseball program. I mean, two current major leaguers are Maryland Terrapins, which isn't very high, but, you know, considering where the program was, it's incredibly impressive to see where they are now. And it's exciting, and we're going to cover baseball quite a bit. Andrew, we'll have him on the show at some point, presumably when basketball's over, but uh, you'll, you'll be able to read his stuff on the site if you're interested in baseball. Also, friends at Maryland Baseball Network, cover the team really well if you're interested in that go there go there we'll have stuff here as well now the men's lacrosse which i know a little bit better because i called their first game against high point uh which was an interesting experience considering it was only the second full lacrosse game i had ever watched the first being last year's big 10 championship which i had to cover for something else uh so i get to my things on lacrosse okay well i'm just wondering if you if, if you if
1: you found it challenging to call the game
0: not necessarily uh I I was working with somebody who played lacrosse in Annapolis, so he knew what he was doing for color, so he made me sound kind of smart. Mm -hmm. And I ended up watching most all of the, uh, what was it, the semifinal, national semifinal against Hopkins from last year as a little bit of prep to understand the sport better. So I tried. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. I figure I'll know more by the time I get to April when I'm calling more games. But until then, uh, what are your thoughts on the season? Uh, considering they have come so close again to a national championship and couldn't get the deal done in the last game. What is it, three national championship appearances in the last five years, and they still haven't won one yet? Well, right, four four
1: times to the final weekend uh, in Tillman's five years, which is phenomenal, and yet uh, 1975 is the last national championship uh, trophy that Maryland has managed to pick up. You know, Once again, I think people are going to— we want to see them be a little patient. Uh, Tillman has scheduled just a, a crazy schedule. His is out of conference is is amazing. They put they they go to Yale next week. Yale's number seven in the country. Follow that up with Notre Dame on a neutral site, who's number one in the country. Uh, the the schedule also has Princeton, who's receiving votes. Albany, who's 18th. North Carolina, who got upset by Hofstra. Of all teams, and so they dropped to 11th, uh, you know, and and then of course you have Penn State, uh, Ohio State, and Hopkins in in conference play. So six of our nine non-conference teams are either ranked or receiving votes in recent polls. So once again, you have to admire a guy who's going to go out and just play the top competition to get his team ready for the tournament and. And again, it's the sort of situation where if they drop a game or two, don't panic. You know, we've seen this. I saw this with Duke several years ago when when they won the national championship. They got off to a very bad start, but they build toward that season through a tough non-conference schedule.
0: And last year, Maryland played pretty badly in the middle of the season, didn't actually go to the final of the Big Ten tournament at home. They lost to Ohio State and then went on a run to play to the national championship anyway. Correct. And they struggled against High Point. It wasn't good. They, they were not great until the, in the second half. They were a lot better, but they struggled a bit. And, and as I, I think I,
1: I uh, commented on the, either the recap or, or, or one of Noah's uh, title tracker stories, that you know there's always an advantage. High Point had already played a couple of games. Maryland, this was Maryland's first game. And, and I think there's always an advantage to a team early in the season if they've played, had actual game competition as compared to a team that hasn't yet gotten that adrenaline rush and the, and the feel for playing at full game speed. So, you know, I wasn't too worried about the rough start against High Point, uh, particularly the way they came back in, in the second half. And again, uh, Brian Cole and... Uh, Uh, Greg,
0: uh,
1: Uh, one offensive and defensive player of the week in the big 10 this week.
0: Uh, preseason picks did not have Maryland winning the national, uh, the conference title. Excuse me. It was Hopkins, which is, which is interesting. Uh, Maryland, if you don't know, and I didn't know until about last Friday, uh, they're known for defense. They don't give up a lot of goals. So when they score 10 or more under John Tillman, they win like 96% of their games. It's absolutely insane. So they're good at that. Matt Rambo, if you don't know much about him, he's an offensive machine. He didn't play great against High Point, but that's probably not going to be a huge concern. He scores a ton of goals. They're going to be really good. The question is, as I think it always is with Maryland Benz lacrosse, is can they finally break through? There are a lot of good teams in lacrosse that they have to compete with, and do you think they're going to be able to do it? I mean, I I don't know how much I can take from the first game because it was their first game, and High Point had played two. So there was obviously a little bit of rust, but you consider the Big Ten's got five teams. They're better by default than two of them. They have to be better than Ohio State and Hopkins from last year if they want to get there. They beat Hopkins in the national semifinal. Do you think they do it this year? You know, again, uh, it, it's kind of a crapshoot when it
1: gets to that final weekend. You know, we'll be, it'll be interesting to see. There there are a few challenges, I think. Uh, Maryland's freshman class was very highly touted, was diminished a little bit when Curtis Zappala, Decided not to enroll. He kind of announced in the fall that he was giving up lacrosse altogether. Um, but the other freshmen, particularly Lou Dubick and Tim Monahan, probably—I um, mean Austin Austin Henningson on the faceoffs—it
0: was dynamic, really, really good. And when you consider Maryland had Charlie Raffa, who might have been the best faceoff guy in college lacrosse, maybe ever, and they replaced him with him, and he was. Pretty dang good on Saturday, last Saturday. He got injured in the game, so he didn't do it quite as much as you would have liked to see. But he was amazingly good for your first game as a freshman. That was incredibly impressive.
1: Yeah, and and uh, then of course on offense, you mentioned Matt Rambo and and Brian Cole, Henry West, and there's a transfer from UMBC, a guy At named At Young, At Young, who I think as he works into his role will will probably be uh, very productive. On the long stick and on the back line, Maryland took a real hit when uh, Matt Neufeldt, uh, who was a freshman last year and led Maryland in both ground balls and caused turnovers, tore his ACL. So he's done, gone for the season. But Dan uh, Dancilio I-, I think, gave gave some light at the end of the tunnel. I think he had six ground balls uh, versus high- in the game against High Point. So. And then, of course, you, you still have Matt Dunn holding the back line, and and Kyle Bernlor, who was not great against High Point, but
0: had, he's okay. He wasn't terrible.
1: Yeah, wasn't terrible, but but wasn't great, and and wasn't kind of the the sort of the the season that we got from from him last year, which was an All American caliber season. You know, and so so I expect he, he will also pick up as the season goes along. Put well, all that the- together and, and the fact that, that we saw Maryland actually getting out on the break and, and running a little bit. And, and I think that, you know, the, the offense looks a little pretty dynamic and in, in particularly in the second half.
0: It was impressive to watch them. They scored only four goals in the first half and weren't great and then scored 11. And as we said before, if Maryland scores a bunch of goals, they win quite frequently. So, Todd... That's all the four sports from the spring, and three of them have legitimate chances to do great things, which is kind of cool. Which is kind of cool. Considering all of us are focused on two sports, one that has no chance of winning a national championship anytime soon, and the other, it seems like those hopes are become more fleeting as time goes on, as you probably no doubt heard. Uh, quickly, though, I got to get your opinion on uh, the Maryland voter, the voter in the AP Top 25 poll that didn't have... Maryland in the top 25. That was two podcasts or one podcast ago. What did you think of that? Um, my, I, I kind of thought it was much
1: ado about nothing. I think who cares really what one person thinks. And, you know, I, I really was shocked at the, the amount of attention that people paid to it. It's, it's, you know, one guy trying to scream for attention and he got the attention he wanted, at least from Maryland's fan base and from some other folks around the country
0: as I have plugged many times on this podcast already, this particular show, you can go listen to that episode 35 with Graham Cole and listen to him explain his reasoning. You might pull your hair out, but I give him credit for him having the balls to come on our show and explain it. Not many people would do that, so credit to him. Uh, Thank you, Todd, for giving us a bit of a late preview, but a preview we needed nevertheless. Uh, Where can people find you? You'll find you in the comment section, but hopefully you'll be writing a bit more during the spring. This is now getting to your wheelhouse.
1: It's it's always possible, and and I you know I, because I'm still following gymnastics and women's basketball uh, pretty closely, uh, wrestling a little bit, and and those guys are still going on. And women's basketball, you know, we'll see how how deep a run they can make in in the tournament.
0: Well, it seems like everybody is cannon fodder for UConn, unfortunately. Maryland found that out earlier in the year. But thank you, Todd. We appreciate your time as always. This was a much longer segment than I thought. You know what? This might end up becoming its own podcast now that I think about it because I'm looking at the clock and it's 2545 without any uh, edits to it. So that's concerning. But, hey, you know what? Things can change on the fly. We have to be good at adapting at this website. That's what we do, Right. All
1: right, yeah, that's what we do at at Testudo Times, the Colossus, the SB Nation Maryland Colossus.
0: Just like in the intro to the podcast. Yep, thanks a bunch, Todd, for this. This might be tacked onto the end of the main pod. It might be its own pod. Who the heck knows? I haven't made the decision yet as I record this, but of course, go Terps. Go Terps.